Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me if you would. Please welcome all of you watching online. Hold your Bibles up high. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Welcome again, all of you watching online on this cold, crisp morning in Oklahoma. Yeah, it's a good day. Well, it's that time of year where every pastor has to think about presenting a word that is all about Christmas. And that's a real challenge when you've, you've done this for so many years. You think, you know, what can I say? And over the years, what I've realized is I'm not called to preach cute messages that line up with the season. I'm called to preach strong messages that line up with the reason. And uh, so this message today is, is in line with the season, but it really brings uh, to the surface something I think is far greater this time of year. And if you'll turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. And we ask ourselves, what, what really happened 2,000 years ago when God finally said, I'm going to fulfill the prophetic word that I gave you in Genesis and that I would send one who would crush the devil's head. His heel would be bruised, but he would crush Satan under his feet. And as a result of that, because we're in Christ, Satan is under our feet. However, sometimes I believe that uh, we give him room, we bring uh, Satan to the surface and give him permission to do things we should never allow him to have permission to do. And it all begins with the words of your mouth. This time of year, people get a little happy, and I'm happy about that. But the reality is, we shouldn't just get happy this time of year. We should be happy all year long. We should be grateful all year long. As a matter of fact, all year long, we should treat uh, every day like it's Christmas. And listen to what it says. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him, in who? In the Word. (laughs) In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Darkness can never drive out light. Light can only drive out darkness. And this reference is to Jesus being the Word. Now, when we get the Word in us, it's to change the words that come out of us. It's often easy to be positive when there are songs and decorations and lights and everything this time of year... It lifts our spirit. And that's a wonderful thing. But the primary thing is embracing 
God's word so that the words of our lips are giving him praise and glory and communicating faith and trust. It's very easy to try and manipulate others, to manipulate God or to manipulate the world by using words that oftentimes cause people to do what we want them to do without them realizing that's what's happening. So I'm real big on using the right words as much as possible. We all have to really think before we speak. That's what I've been told. Think before you open your mouth. You can't take those words back. And so oftentimes we say, well, you know, I'm really lonely. And that's okay. Maybe you are. But he said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You may feel alone, but you're never alone. And in your darkest hour, your words can either turn the light on or turn the light off. The words that you speak will illuminate the path that you're choosing to walk on. And when times get tough and bad and difficult, if all we do is talk about them, we're not fixing anything. We're only making it darker. It's when we turn and say nothing is too difficult for God, nothing's impossible with Him. When we begin to do that, it begins to change how we think. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We will live out the words of our mouths. You may not like somebody, and I understand that. We all don't like certain people, and certain people don't like us. Would you agree? I think you would. Now, that's not a good thing, but the reality is if I don't allow those words to come out of my mouth, that if I said I don't like Jesse, the devil will never know it unless I tell him. So you don't give him that opportunity, and you don't feed the negativity of not liking someone. Now, I agree with boundaries and dismissing people from our lives that uh, we may not be able to deal with. That happens where I'm not strong enough maybe to deal with something that, that uh, somebody else is trying to influence me with, and, and I just remove myself. I've done it numerous times, and it wasn't their fault. It was my fault that I wasn't strong enough. I could look at them and say, well, you're a bad person. Or I could look at the mirror and say, Mark, you need to get stronger. Which is better? I need to get stronger. They're not a bad person. I just need to get stronger. And I begin to shape my world by the words of my mouth. Very, very important that we monitor those things because God sent his word to help change our words. If Christ is in us, then we should line up with his word because his word is in us. So now turn in the in your Bibles, to the greatest book in the Bible, the book of Mark. I'm trying to influence you now. And this is the parable of sword. And he said, what does this have to do with Christmas? Everything. The Word was the gift God sent from heaven. His name was Jesus. But he also called him the Word. So we're celebrating Christmas today by talking about how we're going to talk when we all gather this time of year. Because without a doubt... There, there are people in your family that you wish were not in your family. Now, some of you say, oh, no, we just love everybody. And you're in denial. Because there's always that one person that you kind of go, yeah, I, I mean, I love them with the love of Jesus, but... Mm, mm. And it's very, very important that, that we not just be able to remove that feeling or that emotion, though we would all like to, because it's very important... I believe that, that we have right thoughts and right emotions, that we get them to line up with God's Word. And if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, then we need to speak faith-filled words. 
Now, there are times that we are confronted. We, we, there are times that we have to use the Bible to confront an issue. Because if you love somebody uh, and they're going down the wrong pathway, if you really love them, you're going to say, you know what? You're going down the wrong pathway. It doesn't mean you're trying to control them or manipulate them. You're saying, you know, this just doesn't line up with, with God's plan or God's purpose for any human being. And so in Mark chapter 4, it says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. See, Jesus liked water too. <laughs> That's where I get my love for the water is I'm like my father and my savior. <clears throat> the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat. He even liked boats. I'm feeling real good about this message right now. And he set, he set it out on the lake while all the people along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell along rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, even 100 times. And Jesus said... He who has ears, let him hear. We never need to feel guilty about wondering what Jesus is saying because the disciples walked with him, ate with him, and they're still going, what's he trying to tell us here? We often have those questions. Jesus was wanting them to grasp what was going on by giving this parable. And so he goes on to explain to them in verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand the parable, how then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So the very first challenge Once somebody gets the Word of God, receives the Word of God that is sown, in this case, going back to John chapter 1, Jesus was the Word. So when the Word of Christ is sown in us, the the goal is to open our hearts and absorb the Word of God. Now, Satan doesn't want the Word of God to attach itself to your soul because when it does, you begin to flourish. You begin to live a Christ-like life. You begin to love others. You begin to walk in grace and mercy, and that defies everything Satan stands for. And so he really quickly wants to grasp that word. When I got born again, I, I ran with a pretty rough crowd, and it wasn't that they were bad people. It's just that I wasn't a good person. And when I got born again, I knew that the only way the word that had been deposited in me, the only way that word was going to stay is if I kept myself out of reach 
where somebody could say, well, why would you believe? Look at all that you're giving up. Look at what you're not going to be able to do. That's what stealing the word means is that like, like God's going to take all the fun out of your life. At least that's what I thought. I didn't realize that God was depositing a lot of fun in my heart because all I was familiar with was the fun I'd been having that wasn't so fun on Sunday morning. Some of you know what I mean. You know, and so I remove myself in order to protect the word. Now, another way you protect the word is you keep watering the word. That's why we come to church. We don't come to church so that we, when we stand before Jesus at the pearly gates and we go, I went to church, he's going to look at you and go, who cares? Why did you go to church? You didn't come to church to punch some religious time clock. You came to church to get the word watered in your heart. Some of you came because you want the word sown in your heart because it's never happened. When I went to church and finally gave my life to Jesus and gave my life to the word because he is the word and he dwelled among us, when I, that word got in me, I knew that it had to stick. If it wasn't going to stick, it wasn't going to work. So Satan comes to steal it, and one of the things he'll do is he'll get people to criticize you. He'll get people to talk about you, and what we first thing we do What do we do? When somebody talks about us and we think it's not true, we start defending ourselves. I had a situation early this year where someone had said something, a family member had said something about me that was untrue uh, to another cousin family member, and I wanted to go and straighten everybody out. You ever, ever been there? And the Lord said, leave it up to me. And I went, but God, I'm not real sure you'll say it the way I want you to. In fact, I'm pretty sure you're not going to give it the unction to function the way I would. You know, I wanted God to go smite them. You know, to slap both of them upside the head. And, and then leave a note. That's from Mark. <laughs> but I just said, no, I'm going to shut up this time. Why? Because the word is in me. And, it, and if I go do that, it's like Satan plucking it from me, saying you're no longer operating by what God said operate by. So I just left it there. I still haven't said a word. Now, i got to tell you right now, I'm going to have to repent because I'm feeling an incredible sense of pride <laughs> that I have kept my mouth shut for nearly nine months. And I want to keep it shut, but I, you know, I know the next time I see the cousin... That, that heard the word, I want to go, can I just tell you my side of the story? And I know what God's going to do. No, you cannot tell your side of the story. I want you to trust me. And that's hard to do. But see, that's what happens when the word gets in us. We start living by the word and using his words instead of our words to bring things to light. Because he is the light. And it goes on to say, the second one is, not just the seed being taken by Satan, but it says others uh, hear the word that was sown in them like a seed sown on rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. 
So it's scorched, it's snatched by Satan, it's scorched by the persecution, and then it's choked out by the worries and cares of this world. Now, maybe this is a really good time in the midst of everything we're going through to to, uh, grasp this. There's a whole lot of worry, a whole lot of care, and a whole lot of fear. And one of the things that I have lived my life by, and I've made more mistakes than, you know, you need a calculator (laughs) to count them up. But one thing I've always held on to, and my wife will tell you this, is, and she even gets upset with me sometimes because I'm very cautious with words because words come to life when they come out of your mouth. And, and it's very, very important. You can say one thing to somebody that might restrict them for the rest of their lives. You'll never amount to anything. Look at your grade point average. You're so dumb. How many of you know that your grade point average doesn't tell you how smart you are? It just tells you how well you test or the disciplines you have to to do homework assignments. We would put way too much weight on on test scores and grades when in reality there are a lot of brilliant people out there that make a huge difference in the world. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm going to repeat this. And Years ago I studied this when I was in college, and I I could be a little off, but I'm going to try to make this as right as I can in college, there were students required to do a paper, and one guy did a paper on delivery, delivering packages outside of USPS, and decided that there was a way to do this that would be quicker, and it would be a, a private enterprise, and he did a paper on it, and, and if I'm not mistaken, he either got a C or an F, but let's just say a C for the sake of not exaggerating, and, but Later on, after the, the professor looked and said, well, your paper is, is all really good and all, but he said it could never happen. Well, that guy ended up being the founder of FedEx. And so, you know, he didn't listen to the word, but one person's word could have turned that the opposite direction and said, well, it'll never happen. Many people have been told just simply used, the use of words has caused people to not excel and be everything God's called them to be. What does it hurt to encourage someone to do something or be something that they're not, what does that cost you? Absolutely nothing. When in your mind you're thinking, they ain't smart enough to pull that off, but you don't need to tell them that. Why? Because with God, all things are possible. They could go from dumb to brilliant overnight. You say, well, that just never happened. You don't know who was dumb yesterday and is brilliant today. None of us do. But the reality is, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy and to remove the word from us. George Mueller said this about God's word. The vigor of our spiritual life will be in exact proportion to the place held by the Bible in our life and our thoughts. I solemnly state this from the experience of my life of 54 years at that time of writing. The first three years after conversion, I neglected the Word of God. Since I began to search it diligently, the blessing has been wonderful. Great has been the blessing from consecutive, diligent, daily study. I took upon, I look upon it as a lost day when I have not had a good time over the Word of God. You know... I've gone through various seasons in, in my life as a Christian and growing as a Christian. 
when I first got born again, I knew nothing of the Bible. I knew nothing about the Bible. Uh, had never really given myself to the Word of God. When I got saved, I knew it was probably, uh, for me, a, a last opportunity. And that I felt that. And I felt like I needed to grasp what Christianity was really about. The church I got born again in, it really was never taught. The Word was never the pastor never talked about the power of the word or the power of words or how the word gave guidance to your life and, and helped you with life and how God's word wasn't, the Bible wasn't just a book that we carried to make other people think we were holy or righteous. It was a book that gave us information, information that we needed desperately uh, to live a life of victory. And uh, so when I finally decided I was going to commit my life to Jesus, I would read the Bible completely through every year and that without fail and I would highlight it and I would write in it and I would get it committed to my heart and my soul. Now, there came a time, obviously, once I committed to that, that Satan tried to use it because he'll always use the Bible and the Scripture as a weapon. Uh, you know, the, the, it's not, God never intended it for it to be a weapon against others, but he will, you know, he will use that. Uh, and in people, religious people, angry people, bitter people, and they will misquote the Bible or they will use Scripture that uh, doesn't reflect the covenant relationship we have with Jesus Christ. And, and so I thought Christianity was all about my works, my goodness, and that God was going to measure my life by how much time I spent in prayer and how much time I spent in the Bible. Now, please, I'm not minimizing either. But what I am saying is this, it's, very, it's, a, it's a delicate balance the older you get in God trying to, to navigate your life. And so what I decided to do was to commit as much Scripture to memory as I could commit to memory so that wherever I was, I could pull on Scripture to answer questions that I needed uh, to answer right then and there. So like, for instance, when you want to reach out and slap somebody, forgive and you'll be forgiven comes to mind. If someone hits you on one cheek, let them hit you on the other. I don't like those scriptures, but I like how they work because that deals with my flesh. If somebody messes with you, you want to mess with them. Now, it doesn't mean you give in to them, but it simply means that, you know, you can say whatever you want to say, but it's not going to change how I feel about you or God. It doesn't mean I give in to you, but it does mean that I'm going to at least respond biblically. That's why we read the Bible. That's why the Word is so important. And that's why we have to be careful to look at it. Every day, those of you who have noticed, probably for the last 90 days, I haven't even counted. I just, about 90 days ago, somewhere, I felt an impression by God to say, you know, everything on Facebook, you have, and I have a ton of pastor friends who pastor big churches, evangelists that you would all know, and I've known them forever. And I look at some of their cute quotes, and they're, they're just that. They're cute quotes. Some of them, have a, they're a little bit profound. But, but those are not the Word of God. Those are the words of man that kind of line up with the Word of God. But the Word of God is different than the words of man, even the words that are spoken as a result of the Word. I, don't ask me to say it again. <laughs> Thank you. But the, the challenge is that if we try to find, some people say, I, I don't even know what to say. I don't have words. I don't have the words. You ever heard anybody, I don't have the words. What they're really saying is, oftentimes, is I really want to tell you how stupid you are right now. 
That's what it means often when I don't have the words to say, because dumb and stupid don't even get us there. But the reality is I don't have the words may mean I don't know what the word says, so I don't have the words to say. Because the Bible tells us to encourage one another, to provoke one another to good works. That's what the word says. It doesn't say be mean to one another, talk down to each other. It means to, to lift people up, talk people up, talk them up. It doesn't do any good to tell somebody how dumb they are. They probably already know it, which is why they're insecure and acting the way they're acting. Something might happen in them if if you tell them nothing's impossible with God. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You have the mind of Christ. You're creating the image and likeness of him. When you start talking to people like that, it's like watering a plant that is wilted. It begins to absorb the water, and the plant begins to flourish. That's what happens to the souls of man when you begin to talk up to them. And you say, well, my kids are being dumb. Don't tell them they're being dumb. Say, there's just so much more than you could ever imagine for you. I just know God has a plan for your life that you haven't thought of yet. At least you haven't articulated it. So may I help you in articulating God's plan for you. There is a job out there for you, son. I know there is. And it's going to bless you and it's going to bless us because you're going to be able to move out of our stinking house. Don't do the last part. But what happens, the cares of this world, criticism, persecution, lack of confidence, lack of faith, begins to diminish or fade the word of God in our soul. So every day for the last 90 days or so, I just post scripture. I don't say anything except I put a hashtag, let God be God or something like that. And I felt like God said, you know what, there's enough opinions out there, the world does not need yours. But the world does need mine. And mine is more than an opinion. Mine is a fact that will change your life forever. So if, if I were to make this a Christmas sermon, I would say, you know, make the gift of God's word real to other people. It doesn't mean you have to quote it exactly. That's not what I'm saying. You don't have to just word after word. But the principles of God's word, just the very principles, maybe not the exact quote, but the principles you know you're supposed to forgive. You know you're supposed to let go of things. You're supposed to let go of the past and press toward the mark that God has for you in your future. You know that you're supposed to love those who are unlovable, give hope to the hopeless. That's what we're called to do. And there are days we don't feel like it. Matter of fact, many days we don't feel like it. And days like these, when everybody's scared to death, and, and that's the thing that bothers me the most about where we are today is the fear that it's going to get worse before it gets better. You hear those words, well, you know, it's getting cold. And with the cold, we've got, and the list goes on. I think, you know, I'm not denying the reality of science, but I am elevating the word of God because the word of God always trumps the science of man. I'm not discounting science at all. But science said that uh, Lazarus is dead, and not only is he dead, he stinks by now. And that was scientifically correct until Jesus came along and went, Lazarus, come forth. And he comes out in his tomb clothes. There are lepers. There was no cure scientifically saying that your digits are just going to keep falling off and you're just going to waste away until Jesus came along. And his word triumphed over that scientific fact. Now, please don't 
think I'm minimizing science. I think it's brilliant. I'm so thankful for it. I'm thankful for all that it's done for us. But when you run out of science, you can run into the Word of God. And you should run into it before the science runs out. It's so easy to believe all that you're hearing. Some of y'all need to turn off the news. You need to turn it off. You're feeding your soul fear every day. I don't even watch it. I refuse to watch it. Well, you're, gonna, you're, you're just going to be left out. No, I'm going to be informed by the Spirit of God. I don't need a talking head. I need the head of all talk. And the Bible is filled with promise. I think about Psalm 103. If you haven't read it, just go read it. It'll pump you up every day. He heals all our diseases. So, well, you know, I had a friend die. They're ultimately healed if they're believers. Now, nobody wants ultimate healing until they get there and go, man, why did I stay on earth so long? And I know that's debatable and religious people, you know, how many of you know there are people that just have the gift of arguing? Draw a boundary and say, you know what, don't cross this one because I'm not going to argue with you. Usually it ends up nowhere. But I will pray for you, and that will really make them mad. When somebody who wants to argue and you say, I'm going to pray for you, I leave it alone. Prayer doesn't work. Praying for you. Love you. We're called to love our enemies. We're called to love all people. And the Word of God keeps us on track. Now, this is the introduction to a series entitled The Gift of the Word at the Gift of the Season. And it's so very, very important this time of year when as wonderful and beautiful as it is, you know, it's, it's times are tense. People are tense. People are stressed. And my battle is not with anybody but me. Your battle is not with anybody but you. You don't have a fight with anybody else. Your greatest fight is right here. I don't have to get mad. I don't have to get bitter. I don't have to get mean. And, you know, the, the hardest thing getting used to is, you know, you walk in a grocery store and a 17-year-old tells you when you're over 60 what to do. And I want to say, I forgot more than you know. <laughs> you're tired, but you have to wear a mask. And, you know, you just get tired. It's stressful. And, and what I do now, it's, a, it's working in me. A word is working in me saying, thank you so much. Yeah, you sense it, don't you? There's just a touch, a dash of sarcasm. Just a dash. Most of me is really thankful, but there's a part of me that wants to go, shut up and go home and get your diaper changed. <laughs> I'm just being honest and real with you today. But I don't because I, I, wanna, I want the word working in me. I want to love. I want to be kind. I want to be gracious. And, and some people are just mean, and they always will be. Hurting people hurt people. Mean people make other people mean if you let them. But the Word of God changes everything. Now, I'm going to hit on the first point because we haven't gotten there yet. And then 
want to throw this out there. And you'll hear it again next week. Psalm 119, verse 10 and 11. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. What a great prayer. I love you with all of my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. Now, this is how important the word is. I have hidden your word in my heart. So he says, I seek you with all my heart. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He didn't say that I might not sin against other people, but the psalmist knew that if if I hurt you, I'm sinning against God. If my intention is to hurt you, better yet. Because some people get hurt when that was not the person speaking's intention at all. I mean, Jesus spoke truth, and sometimes it was hard truth, when he called the Pharisees a brood of vipers and whitewashed sepulchers. You could say, well, that, that seemed to be cruel. Jesus loved them enough to point out, you're off track, you're off course, and I want to bring you back. His intention wasn't to hurt them. His intention was to turn them in a direction that would bless their lives. It's all about the intention of the heart, the redemption that, that we bring, the redemption that God brought us through Christ, we now bring to others. Our hope is that they would be redeemed, that they would be saved, that they would be changed. But it begins by keeping God's word hidden and locked in our hearts. Matter of fact, the original language means, it means to protect. When I hide it, I'm protecting it so that Satan can't, like a bird of the air, come and steal the seed. That the cares and concerns and criticisms and all the deceitfulness of this life won't scorch out the word or choke out the word. Very, very important. So what I want to encourage you to do, and the reason I'm doing this Bible verse every morning I get up and I read And I go through the Bible going, God, I want a word for today. I've tried to do it the night before, and it doesn't work. It's like God reminding me of the manna in Israel saying, you know, you get it fresh every day. So I literally get up every morning, and sometimes I'm pressured because most of the time it's 6 o'clock, and I try to get it before people go to work so they'll have a word for the day. That's all it is. And guess what? My word will return void, but the Bible says his will not. It will not come back empty. The Word of God will always deliver to us and for us what we need. So as we think about Christmas this year, think about, when you think about Jesus, think about the Word. Because He was the Word that God sent Him to dwell among us and to bring light into our lives. Very, very important that we cling to the Word of God. So if you're not signed up or you're not following me on Facebook, please do that or Instagram and I think, I think we're reposting it with Mosaic. And the reason I, I'm doing this is because I believe it's life-changing. I believe you can read one verse for a day and eat off of it all day long. It's not the amount or the quantity. It's the quality of that word that is sown in your heart. Philippians 4.13 was the one scripture I memorized first when I got saved. I can do all things through him, Christ, who strengthens me. And that in my life, there have been times I would say, I can't. My mouth would start saying, I can't do that, or I couldn't do that, or I'm not smart enough, or whatever. I always go back to that and say, you know what? If Jesus wants me to, there's nothing I can't do. 
There is nothing that cannot happen if I trust his word. During this whole COVID process, I've had to keep his word alive before me when most churches throughout America, some are not even open. Others are, you know, 70% off of their attendance prior to it. As a pastor, it's always challenging every Sunday and Monday to, to say, God, I declare that your house will be filled again. And I don't know what day that is, but the day that it happens, we just, who knows what will happen. When you see it again, the way it was and better. And so I want to speak faith into the hearts of people. So I want to challenge you, rather than turning on all the news networks. And by the way, can I just say there really isn't a conservative one out there? There's just not. And I'm not mad. I'm not being mean. I'm praying for them. But the reality is, mankind, left to itself, is selfish, self-centered, fearful, manipulative. That's the fallen man. And we all have that potential. So I have as much potential to be that way as anybody who's propagating fear, doubt, and unbelief. And it's out there. You know, tell you, let me tell you why it's out there, because it sells. And the most powerful thing on earth right now is currency, money, wealth, prosperity. People will change what they believe to hold on to their money. They'll change what they say. But we have to say what God says, even if we lose everything. And that's what I'm going to do. Been there, done that. And I know that God is able. So I want to challenge you. When you feel like lashing out and you know that little bird's fluttering to steal the word from you. Or you start worrying and it starts choking you. Or somebody persecutes you and it starts burning up the seed of the word that you know to be true. Just declare the word. I'm going to hide it in my heart. I'm going to hide it in my heart. So I challenge you. And I'm not. I, I, don't, I don't even know how many. I've I got probably, I think, 5,000 is the limit on Facebook, and I'm close. I don't know. Instagram has a limit. I don't think it does. But you can get on there, and you can read a Bible verse every morning that I put on there. And it, this is, I, folks, listen, I'm old enough and secure enough. I don't need your kudos. I have a wonderful wife, and I really don't care that much about a lot of other things. I care about a couple of things. I care that, that my God loves me with everything he has because he is love and that I love him, that I love my wife. She loves me most days. And, um, and that I love our children and our children love me. Now, I can't make those things happen, but I can make it happen to where I love God and you can never make God not love me. So hang on. Don't let go of the word of God. Protect it with everything you have. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you cared enough to send your only son, the word. You turned him into flesh and you had him dwell among us to walk with us and show us how to live life. So, Lord, I pray today that we would pray, think, meditate before we speak, that we would not be quick to speak. We would be slow to get angry. That, God, we would honor your word and your word would be free to operate in our lives. Cutting away between soul and spirit, between our flesh 
and your desire. We surrender, God. We obey. And I believe those are more important than the time spent. And I know time spent in prayer empowers us. Time spent in your word fills us. Those are important. But when we walk out of prayer and we close your book, we must be willing and obedient servants of yours. May the word not just be in our mind, but may it be in our walk. That we would walk it out, God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we take an opportunity, every service, to pray with those who don't yet have the Word of God sown in their heart. You're not yet saved. You're not yet born again. You can see the Word, but the Word's not sown in you. And we want God's Word in you. We want Jesus in you. So I want to ask everyone here, everyone watching online, pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only Son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I call on your name. And I declare that your word is true. I am born again. I am forgiven. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or to rededicate your life, I want to ask you to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. 405-500-1310. Just text the word SAVED and put your name in there. That helps us too. We get really excited when we see that somebody is giving their life to Jesus and we're more excited when we see your name and, and it'll liberate you. I promise you, you'll feel a lift in your life. And uh, that's what happens when the Word of God gets in us and begins to open our hearts and our minds to all that He has to say and all that He has for us to say. Uh, so do that for me if you would, please. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.